Welcome to The New Way, the bite-sized podcast for leaders and executives like you who want to transform their organisation and inspire people to work in new ways. Forget stalled progress and disappointment from upstairs. Each episode, I reveal how to communicate your vision, drive change, and become the leader that everyone loves. No BS or fluff, just the practical info that you need. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne. Get ready for actionable insights, mini execution plans, and game-changing secrets from my 20 years in the trenches, supporting senior leaders to introduce the new way. (laughs) Let's get started. Is the way you're communicating with your most important stakeholders actually landing? Are you genuinely connecting with them? Look, if you're not, listen up because this episode is definitely for you. When you're a change leader, whether that means you're a senior leader in the organisation or perhaps you're the change lead on a specific transformation project, you are responsible for engaging and influencing such a complex set of stakeholders. And the way that you personally communicate, well, it can make or break the success of the whole change program. (laughs) I don't want to put pressure on you, but that really is how it is. In fact, I recently saw some research from the Project Management Institute that found that poor communication was the cause of almost 25% of all project failure. I mean, obviously, this is something we've got to get right. And that's why I am thrilled to be talking with Sharon Pakir today. Sharon is a leadership coach and mentor. Through her online workshops and corporate leadership programs, Sharon helps leaders become more powerful. Now, Sharon recently hosted a masterclass for my team at Eva, all about connective communication. And I immediately knew I wanted to get her on the show so that we could share her take on this topic with you too. There are so many gems in this conversation. Get ready. You're going to learn about a three-step framework that you need to use to make sure you're getting the basics of connective communication right. You're going to learn about the goal of your communication should be. I have a hint for you. It is not about helping people make decisions. You are also going to learn all about positive language and what a game changer that can be and exactly how to do that in your role right now. I'm Dr. Kate Byrne and this is the New Way Podcast. Okay, get comfy and let's dive into my chat with Sharon now. Sharon, yay, I am so thrilled that we could make this work. Yes, I know. It's been weeks and weeks of trying to get this done and down to me, completely my fault, but... No, no, no. We have both had situations on our own side and so this is a very exciting moment that we're here together. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, I have too. I have too. For everyone listening, Sharon has run a few masterclasses for Team Ever and so we've had such a great experience with you and I knew that I wanted to talk to you so that we could share some of the goals that you have shared with our team because I just think it's going to be so useful in their toolkits and so I wanted to share you with everyone listening. So I'm thrilled that we're having this conversation. As you know, I'll just dive straight in. Change leaders, people who are in charge, responsible for delivering big organisational change, getting people to work in new ways on kind of a large scale, have got a few different hats that they need to wear. For example, they are leading 
potentially managing their own team. They're, of course, leading themselves and they have that extra layer of needing to be able to connect with and influence a range of different stakeholders across the organisation that might be more senior than them, maybe have completely different specialities and talk a different language than them. And I just know that getting those roles right and being able to communicate in a way that really lands is so critical for the success of a change initiative. So that's why I'm so excited for us to talk about this. So let's start at the beginning. What is connective communication? Okay, so this is actually a term that I coined for my own purposes in my own work. So as you know, I'm a leadership coach. I do a lot of coaching for both corporates as well as individuals in a range of things. And basically, it all boils down to leadership, Uh, whether it's personal leadership, public leadership, team leadership, it all boils down to that. And so communication as one of the major pillars that feeds into leadership for me. And I would say it's almost like yin and yang. You don't have one without the other. For me, communication, we tend to confuse clear communication with connective communication. And I'm a trained linguist and I studied the different sides of linguistics from the technical aspects, you know, your phonetics, your syntax, your grammar, and then the sociolinguistic phenomena that happens around those basics. So whenever I coach people in communication, I always say there's two parts to this. There's clear communication really important. That's the basics. That's the stuff we should all learn. We should all have had a course in it when we came out of school in how to approach the real adult world with clear communication. And then the next level stuff, which is the leadership stuff, is the connective communication. And when I talk about connective communication, what I'm saying is your communication has to do two things. It not only has to be clear, it's got to do two other things. It's got to catalyze people. So it's got to make people do things and then it's got to compel. You got to make them want to do the thing and you got to make them feel like doing the thing is the natural response to whatever that communication piece was. You got to make them not sit there and wonder or fight or push back or feel vulnerable when doing it. So catalyzing and compelling because this leads to safety and security in people. They know what to do, they want to do it, they know how to do it well because you've communicated it so well. And then that leads to psychological safety, which is one of the core pillars of being a great leader for your people. They feel good around you. So connective communication is just communication that's meant to make people feel so good that they do good. Oh, such a good definition. Yes. And when you are taking people on a change journey... Ultimately, change is there's frameworks you can use, there's models, there's groups of stakeholders you can engage with. I say that ultimately change comes down to every single individual making a decision that they are going to try a new way of doing something, that they're going to participate, pay attention, get on board with it. It would be so much easier if people just did what we asked them to immediately on a black and white, you know, in an email or something like that. But unfortunately, people, you know, humans are tricky and we just don't work that way. Oh, but that's actually a great segue. I feel like I see people asking for jump. They want to jump straight to the advanced strategies for stuff. I'm sure you see this too. The advanced approach to communication, or in this case, the advanced approach to connective communication. Tell me more about what are the basics for connective communication? Okay. So what I spoke about earlier, the compelling and the catalyzing communication. So I have four C's, you know this, but I'll tell everybody. 
I've got four C's to communication and the compelling and catalyzing actually is the last two C's. The first two C's are clear and concise and they're the basics. And it sounds pretty simple. Be clear, be concise. It's not simple at all because historically in our childhoods, in our schooling systems all over the world, we get taught that more is better. And so the basics, when it comes to language basics as an adult or as a professional, it actually comes down to us stripping away everything we've ever learned about language. And what do I mean by that? We go into school and as a kid, we learn words. Then we learn, oh my gosh, I'm a big kid now. I can do a sentence. Oh my gosh, I'm a bigger kid now. I can write three lines. I can write a paragraph. I am such a big kid, I can write half a page, I can write a full page. As we get older, we get praised for writing more and more and more. We get to high school, it's two pages, it's four pages. If you do university, it's a thousand words, two thousand words, four thousand words, fifty thousand words. At no point are we ever told, please strip this back, that actually makes you better. We get told every corner that we turn around, do more and you're more intelligent. Say more, write more, and you're better at writing or better at communicating. So basically, when we say clear, it's stripping all that away, right? It's not using fillers. It is stating your, I mean, it's as precise as understanding the length of sentences. You know, that sentences should not be between more than 7 to 20 words long. If your sentence is more than 20 words long, it's too long. I use a simple trick. If you read back your writing and you can't read a sentence in one breath, that sentence is too long. It needs full stops. It's difficult to read otherwise. It's as simple as using basic words rather than $10 words. So instead of using efficacy, you use it's efficient or it's simple or it's basic. Um, Simple, accurate words that make people feel really comfortable because they understand your meaning and they don't have to work really hard. This sentence length and the basic words theory comes from this. No one identifies as being not busy enough. Everyone's busy. Everyone's tired. We don't want to work harder. You send an email, you you call someone, you say something, they don't understand it. Now they have to work harder to understand your meaning. But if you strip it back and use more basic sentence lengths, basic words, accurate words, they don't have to work harder. And then they think you're easy to work with. And that's the bonus of this all. And then there's the clear part, which is Yes, you can be concise, but some people are concise and then they don't give you enough context. They don't tell you enough about what's going on. So you've got to make sure that everything you tell someone goes context, action, outcome in a sequence. And you start with context. You're not a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible series. So we're not starting with the end. We're always starting with the context. Start at the beginning, go to the middle, tell me what the outcome is without me having to ask. Clear and concise. That's the two things. Length, ease and flow. That's a great framework for people to keep in mind. Context, action, outcome. And I assume that that applies whether we're writing something, whether we're speaking, whether we're speaking one-on-one to large groups, context, action, outcome. In a workshop that you uh, ran for Team Ever recently, you said something that I loved and you said with our engagement leads and change managers and comms people, you asked them how can we make stakeholders feel like they want to be an ambassador? Like, And I think you said to the point where they feel so excited, like when you go to the show and you get a goodie bag about something and that level of excitement, enthusiasm around it. Tell me why that question is so useful to keep in mind. So I actually got this idea from marketing. You talk about marketing, branding and sales. You want, there's an element of delight that you want your customer to have. 
And that delight and surprise is the single thing that makes you memorable, that makes you influential, that makes them likely to repeat their purchase or whatever it is that you wanted them to do. And when you bring this into communication, if you treat everything that you say or do or provide them in terms of information as a gift that they get to unwrap, then the audience feels excited with you. They feel cared for. You know, when you receive a gift, they feel like they've just received a golden nugget of something or other. And when you do that, that element of delight flares up the part of our brain that goes, excellent, this is so nice. And when you do that regularly for people in all of your communication, when you treat your communication as a gift and they receive it as a gift because it's so nice, what you're doing is you're creating a strength of relationship that is unbeatable. And then everyone you communicate with becomes your best advocate. They start saying, oh, wow, I love having a phone call with Kate. I love having a meeting with Kate. I love it when Kate sends me an email. I love opening that up. They become your best advocate. And in the end, it's not about making yourself look good. It's about making the people around you feel good. And connective communication does exactly that. To me, the linkage is about putting the stakeholders, the client, the customer, the people that are changing first at the center of everything you do. So it is a perspective kind of shift. Something that I see quite a lot is there are outcomes and objectives that aren't about the IT. Uh, There's bigger reasons, but that the IT is a key enabler of that happening. And so quite often we'll see change initiatives or projects kind of sitting in the IT team. And with those kinds of projects, something that can happen a lot is that there is a lot of data that the IT team, the CIO, the CTO, the chief technology officer, whoever it might be that is, uh, you know, a senior responsible officer, whoever's in charge, is wanting to get a lot of information out there. And it's the kind of information that the IT team probably thinks is really exciting. (laughs) It's to do with the features of the system. It's to do with things that I don't fully understand about RAM and about why this is the best solution technically and key dates for deployment and exactly what is going to be changing and all of that kind of thing. But we both know that sometimes the kind of information that sets your heart on fire is not what is going to set the hearts and minds of um, your stakeholders on fire. That's not what is really going to connect. So I love that idea of, you know, how can we make people feel like they want to be an ambassador? As you said, it's a gift, like this is a gift so that we're really centering our audience. And you know, when you buy someone a gift, like in real life, you're not buying them a gift they don't want. You're not buying them a gift they don't like. You're always thinking, oh, Heather likes purple unicorns. So I'm going to get her a photo album with purple unicorns on it because she's going to love that, right? You're never saying, oh, you know what? I don't actually care what Heather likes. I'm just going to buy her this black and white bound notebook and she'll deal. I mean, and we talked about this in the masterclass, right? It's the you approach. It's, it's putting your audience interests first. So incidentally, as you went through those examples, my first job out of uni, my first year in corporate, I was a tech trainer. And my job was to take the organization through systems changes. So I was the learning and development person who made all the manuals, who wrote all the emails. And so I know no one in the IT team agreed with my communication. Instead of, you know, you must change your password because it's a security risk for the company, I changed it to, you must change your password, otherwise you won't be able to log in on Monday. And that just changed the behavior of people so much. So the U approach is basically to look at situations from people's perspective. 
Yeah. What are the key pain points? What are the benefits from the audience? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do they care about security for the company? No, that's IT's job. They don't care. They just want to do their job. But if you say you can't log in, they go, no, no, no. I have a meeting on Monday. I have to be able to log in. And you go, right. I know. So change your password. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. It's just a matter of looking at situations from people's perspective and understanding what they want to know and what they don't care about, you leave it out because the interested people will ask, or you can put it as an end note or an appendix or an appendum, you know, whatever you need to do, but emphasize what they need to know in that moment to make a decision to do the thing. And that's the key. You want them to take an action? Excellent. What is it they need to know to take that action? Not what is it do they need to know to make a decision? That's the mistake we make. We think if I give them all this information, they'll make a decision to make an action. That sounds exhausting. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I don't want to make a decision. We have decision fatigue across our life. So tell them what they need to know to take the action. Yeah, very powerful. That's a great tip for everyone listening. Don't give them information so that they can make a decision. Give them information so that they can take an action. (laughs) And, you know, it sounds so basic, but it's not. It's so difficult to do right. Yeah, no, I love that. That's very powerful. Something that you shared is around the idea of using positive language and how that can be super powerful. Can you share more about that? Yeah, you know, this one is a big one. Positive communication is around everything around the words that we use and the way that we say things. And there's three big rules that I follow religiously here. And I found that when I did that, about 10 years ago, I changed my language to follow these rules. And my life changed. All my relationships changed. My professional development changed. The way I held myself changed. Positive communication is really important because no single person in the world sits there saying, oh, I hope I have a bad day today. I hope someone's rude to me today. I hope someone uses a word that triggers me into emotional oblivion. Nobody sits there feeling like that. Everyone wakes up saying, I hope we have a good day. When someone approaches our desk at work, they say, oh gosh, I hope this is going to be a good conversation. We all want goodness. And so when we use the three positive communication rules, we end up providing goodness to people. They're happier. They do the things. So you don't hear me say, oh, I can't make Tuesday and I can't make Wednesday. Can you find another day? Instead, I say, listen, we can make any day besides Tuesday and Wednesday. It's totally up to you. So you're not saying, can you make a decision? I'm saying I'm empowering you and giving you freedom. There's a hidden message behind our words and we can really change that. It's replacing any words that have a negative connotation. So if at the end of your email you say, if you have any problems, give me a call. No, 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 no. Now you've got someone thinking, is there a problem? Should there be a problem? Should I look for a problem? But we say, I'd love to discuss this if you have any questions. Now you're saying I'm enthusiastic. I welcome it. If you have questions. And it's a very different tone. Replacing trigger words, so the words that really trigger people into emotional pain. So instead of saying, and then Harriet abused me, which is a pretty harsh word to use at the best of times, we say, you know, and then Harriet and I had a discussion and it was really robust. I don't think either of us left very happy and I'd like to address that. And now you sound professional, you sound clear-headed, and you don't sound blaming of victimy. And that's the things that really showcase your leadership, that you're able to take a step back, describe the situation in neutral terms. Whenever we use words that are emotional, like angry, I'm so angry right now. What you're doing is you're telling the other person, I'm in a volatile emotional state and I cannot be dealt with because you never know what I'm going to do next. This could escalate. I'm warning you. But when you say, I'm really uncomfortable with this and we need to find a solution, or I'm really uncomfortable with this and I would like to take some time out. What you're saying is I'm feeling some complex emotions. I'm not going to attack you. 
the de-escalation of words is a really big part of communication in a positive way. And then the last thing is to depersonalize. So instead of saying, Kate, you really upset me last week, I say, Kate, I was really upset last week. This happened when I was with you and I'm really uncomfortable about it. So you never blame and you never say you, 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 because it makes people feel like you're attacking them. So three simple rules, but again, really hard to get out of our patterns, being so conscious. Oh, and absolutely profound. Thinking about a number of client sites that we've supported and the kind of language, not just in emails, but also in, uh, I guess, all kinds of written materials and supporting materials and assets that might be supporting the change initiative. Those changes can have a significant impact to the success of the change itself in terms of whether or not people are engaging, they choose to participate, the kinds of emotions they associate with the change team. It's a big deal. So, you know, I didn't get to this in the masterclass, but this is the biggest thing that I use. And I've always used it even when I was in tech and I was managing change. This is the trick is that when someone comes to you and they're using that trigger language, they're using that really escalating language, they're using that really negative language. You know how when you say it, you're being an active listener, when you can listen to someone say something and then you repeat it back to them so they feel heard. I like to take that one step further and I like to de-escalate the language for them. So when people come to me and say, I'm really upset, I don't like this change at all, I can't work like this. I repeat that back and I say, listen, I hear you. It can be really uncomfortable to work in new situations. So instead of saying, I hear that you don't like it, I de-escalate the language. We all can sometimes feel a little bit perplexed or confused when change happens. So I don't say we all feel upset when change happens because that's absolutely not how I want them to feel. We all feel confused when change happens. And what I do is I name the emotion that helps them feel seen and heard, but I de-escalate it. And then what I often find is that their emotion de-escalates too, and then we can have a clear conversation. So instead of just active listening and repeating back, I repeat back, but de-escalate the language. Let me tell you, I can't tell you how many times it's gotten me out of a sticky situation with an unhappy person. That is a really cool technique. Thank you so much for sharing that. I like to use something which you also do because you just used it in those examples, which is to focus on empathizing. Anytime someone is expressing emotions, they don't have to be scared in the workplace. They don't have to, you know, like acknowledging them. And in fact, it's an incredible opportunity for connection. And I have found that I get the best success when I read the room and use that as an opportunity for connection rather than an opportunity to solve or to continue driving an agenda. (laughs) You've got to practice it and experiment with it for yourself and see what feels natural for you. Everything you feels a little bit clunky to begin with, but I have found that, yeah, by switching any tendency I have to resolve something to going for empathizing and connecting has been working for me. So I love that addition of If someone's coming at you or you're feeling like there's some really heated things, you don't need to wait for them to de-escalate that in that setting, whether it be if you are managing upwards or you're in a working group. Resistance to change is totally natural in all different kinds of ways. So that is something that change leaders have to deal with very, very often. Now, there's one other question that I'd love to ask you. I know we've been chatting for a while, but I know that something that you talk about is the importance of mastering diplomacy when we are using communication to connect with stakeholders. Tell me more about why diplomacy is important. It's everything. 
I mean, diplomacy is embedded in everything that we do. We think of diplomacy as a special skill that only political people or people in ambassador positions or people in relationship building positions need. And that's absolutely not true. You need to have diplomacy to deal with your in-laws. You need to have diplomacy to deal with your brother and sister. The reality is that when we lack that diplomacy as a skill, we don't do very well in most of our relationships. And I've been there. I've been that person who thought diplomacy was a skill that was above my pay grade. I thought it was only the skill to step into when I was a leader or when I'm in a relationship building position. And absolutely not. Diplomacy is embedded in everything we do when it comes to even dealing with our kids, talking to our pets. We need it at every turn. So diplomacy is important because it's not a special skill. We need it in the playground when we're kids. We need it in school. We need it with teachers. We need it with our parents. And unfortunately, it's the biggest skill that we really don't ever learn formally. So as an adult, it becomes the ultimate skill to learn because it's imperative. Our whole life depends on it. Oh, I love that. That is, I think, very insightful. Absolutely. And I'm sure the technique that you were just talking about before where you can kind of use language to de-escalate and bring something, the pendulum that was swinging to kind of bring it back is a big part of diplomacy in action. Give me some other examples of what diplomacy in action can look like. So you talked about empathy and I loved that because my favourite thing to say is soothe and then solve. So if you've got a rash on your skin or an allergy or a bit of a flare-up or a sunburn, You don't sit there saying, well, I'm never going to go in the sun again. I'm not going to eat that thing again. No, you have to soothe what's happening on your skin first. When it's resolved, you say, okay, in the future, I will not do that again, or I'll prevent my exposure to this. It's the same thing with human beings. You can't just sit there and say, listen, don't do that again, or let's agree not to do that, or let's do that. That worked. You have to sit there soothing first. And then only when that flare and the pain and the the itch and the burn is gone, then can they focus on resolution. By soothing, you are kind of opening doors again. You're opening the flow of communication again. I love that. Sharon, you have shared so, so many fabulous gems of kind of really practical tidbits for people. Thank you so much. I know that it's going to land and it's going to be so helpful for people. Now, please share, how can people connect with you? Okay, this is a big question. I never, I haven't answered this one for a while. Okay. <laughs> so my name is Sharon Fakir. I am a leadership coach and a speaker and a facilitator. I work out of Abu Dhabi at the moment, but I'm geographically flexible. I do a lot of my work online and I am happy to fly. And I can be found on Instagram at theinvincible.co. You can find me on my website at sharonfakir.com on LinkedIn on TikTok. You can find me in pretty much all of the major social media things. And I have a podcast too, and it's called Invincible. And it basically covers off a lot of the stuff we talked about today and just how to help everybody live their best life in their full leadership mode. Beautiful. We will link to all of those things in the show notes as well. So if you're out listening to this as you're on a walk or driving the car, Don't worry, we'll have all the links for you ready to go. Thank you so, so much for your time, Sharon. This has been such a great conversation and I'm so happy that we could make it work. And thank you for having me. I mean, it's a delight and an honour. So thank you so much, Kate. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And I will um, catch you soon. 100%. Bye. Bye. 